Maniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and I am taking a brief break from our Independence Day festivities to record the intro for this episode, which was recorded last night. Uh, I had a couple of options for what this week's episode was going to be, and I just, it, it was kind of a last minute thing after seeing spider-man far from home yesterday i had to talk about it uh i hadn't really thought i would have the time to do a review episode uh what with just coming off a vacation back onto nights at work and blah 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 whatever else uh but after seeing it I i really wanted to discuss it and fortunately for me our pal chad j shonk was available had seen the movie and we ended up talking at about one in the morning uh, just having a truly like organic post movie conversation about Spider Man Far From Home, which is what today's episode is. It's that conversation. Uh there you know, we, we try and uh keep it real for lack of a better term on needless things. Like I often don't have a ton of notes, uh sometimes little things scribbled down that I want to be sure and remember. Uh but I want everything to be as much like a natural conversation as it possibly can be. Uh, But this one is like legit real deal. We were messaging on Facebook and then I said, you know what, can can you get on Skype right now? And it worked out and we did it. And so now we have an episode. Uh, So I'm just taking a quick break here. Uh, There will not be much to this intro because... There's it's Independence Day. I'm hanging out with the family. I just grilled for the first time in my life, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Aside from the fact that it's like 98 degrees outside here in Georgia, we had plans for pool stuff and slip and slide stuff. We bought a cheap little crap pool that we we're just kind of kind of like you know play around in and let the dogs get in or whatever, and it just did not work out because we live uh, halfway up a hill basically. And the slip and slide, we just decided we'd hang on to that for another day. And very soon now, it is going to be fireworks time. So that I've, I've got to get back upstairs, you guys. But real quick, I just want to say, uh, please, if you are in the Atlanta area, if you are going to the Atlanta Comic Con, which is not this weekend, but next weekend, uh, July the 12th, 13th, and 14th, Please come and see Needless Things Presents The Summer of the Bat. We are doing a panel at Atlanta Comic Con, a completely new venue for Needless Things, so I'm very excited about this. Uh, Our panel is about everything surrounding the release of Tim Burton's 1989 Batman. Obviously, we'll touch on the film a little bit because you you can't not talk about that, but we are going to be focusing on the merchandising, uh, the advertising, the marketing, just the phenomenon that surrounded the release of that movie. I'm very excited about the panel. I'm very excited about uh, our friends Ryan Cadaver, Nicole Gould, and believe it or not, Mr. Chad J. Shonk is flying in from California for this panel. Uh, It's pretty crazy. It's it's going to be a good time. I've got prizes. I have actual memorabilia from 1989 that I'm going to be giving away 
at this panel. You can go to Facebook right now, look up Needless Things Presents Summer of the Bat if you're part of the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group, which you should be. It is uh, there in the Facebook group. Uh, you can RSVP, let us know you're coming. Let Atlanta Comic Con know that you're excited about seeing Needless Things at Atlanta Comic Con. This is, again, a completely new venue for us, and I'm super stoked about it. Uh, so there you go. That's what's going on now. Uh, I don't really have anything else to report other than the fact that I did a pretty good job grilling, like a good enough job that I feel like uh, a couple months from now I'll be really good at grilling, maybe, uh, and, and might even want to invest in a grill that's a little nicer than the $40 dealie we bought from Walmart because I wasn't going to spend a whole lot of money on it if I hated it and sucked at it. Uh, so I figured we'd start with a cheap little grill and see how it went, and it went pretty darn well uh, i don't recommend bubba burgers though uh, that was that was a weak choice and done uh, made purely out of wanting to keep things as simple as possible for my first uh, grill outing so there you go i hope everybody had a wonderful independence day i hope you have a wonderful weekend planned i do not i will be at work uh nights which is the worst ever and I'm dreading it, which is why I'm going to wrap this thing up right now and get back upstairs and blow some stuff up with my wife and my son and have as much fun as I possibly can before I have to go back to hell and have my soul sucked out of my ass for 36 hours uh, over the next three days. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy Spider-Man Far From Home, or enjoyed Spider-Man Far From Home, and uh, you will enjoy me and Chad just sitting around and having a chat about it. Yeah. here to talk about yeah. batman chad no we, we could be but yes no we're, that's true we're, we're here my other one of my other favorite superheroes not me and buffy well and that's that's uh as far as marvel goes you know we mentioned the mcu but the, they're not my guys like the mcu are my guys but the avengers are not my guys my yeah. guys in marvel were x-men and spider-man me too those were my people they were the weirdos the outcasts they were the ones i related to and when i started buying comics when i was very very young those were the ones i was buying the first marvel comic i ever bought was wolverine number one of the ongoing chris claremont series yes that the entire issue was just him massacring an island full of people. <laughs> That's all that first issue was, and I was like, I can, I can keep reading this. Uh, so, like, Spider-Man is our guy. We love Spider-Man. I love, I, I love Spider-Man. Uh, I I, and it's out there on Needless Things somewhere. I, I can't remember if we did. Well, I know we, we did a podcast. We I, I wrote about it. Uh, yeah. Homecoming is not my favorite. Okay. Uh, I I want Spider-Man stories. I don't want Iron Man Junior stories. And as much as I loved Michael Keaton, and as much as I thought it was a great MCU movie, I did not think it was a good Spider-Man movie. That's fair. Uh, I I I really enjoyed it, um, but it was primarily on the basis of Tom Holland and Michael Keaton. Yes. Yeah, their interaction's yeah. incredible, and I, I love and just uh, both of them individually and together. Everything like I, just, um, I Zend- love him. As Zendaya, Peter. 
Zendaya. 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 Yeah. She's she's a lot of fun. She's um, great. The guy they got to play, I guess Ned. Even though he really is more of a um, well, what's his name? Yeah, I can't remember his name from Gank- Ultimate Ganky? Spider-Man. Ganky. Yeah. How, however, yeah. it's we've only ever yeah. seen it written, so the pronunciation yeah. is, is you know yeah. up in the air. Yeah. But uh, but that's fine. I don't mind that kind of thing. I I, yeah. I like synergy. I like taking the best bits of the mythology. Yeah. And translating it to the screen. That's fine with me. I have no problem with that. Uh, So, Spider-Man Far From Home, obviously I'm going to see it. It's it's part of the MCU. Right. Uh, And ever since I was a little kid. First Phase 4 movie? Is this Phase 4 now? I I don't know if it's Phase 4 or if it's technically... Because typically what they've done is they've had the big final movie and then they do kind of like an epilogue. Yeah, it's just kind of like that. It's kind of a coda. And, and it is. It's, it's kind of that. Uh, but And also, let me just go ahead and say, having watched it, and for the listeners, if you haven't seen Far From Home yet, go see it and come back and listen to this, because we're going to spoil the fuck out of it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not capable of talking about it without spoiling it. And, and there is some stuff that is big-time spoilers, particularly some of the after-credits stuff. But... <laughs> um, yes. Let me let me just say, yeah, of course. San Diego Comic Con in a couple of weeks. I don't know that anybody other than Marvel should bother showing up because, just based on what we saw in Far From Home, and based on the fact that we know nothing of what's happening or nothing has been announced beyond Far From Home, like no. Marvel is going to own Comic Con this year. I mean, it's safe to assume Black Panther 2 is coming. You don't make that much sure. money and not make another one. And we know Black Widow. Uh, and Black Widow, Captain Marvel 2 will probably be a thing, sure. I'm sure. For sure. And we know Guardians 3 is coming. Absolutely. But nothing has been announced. And there's a difference between uh, relative certainty and announcements. And I think Marvel is going to come into Comic-Con bend everybody else over and just have their way with them. Well, I think DC is staying away, aren't they? I mean, I think uh, yeah, a couple of companies aren't. I don't think Warner are, Brothers has a presence at all this year. No. James Gunn did announce one thing. It will not be car- called as Guardians of the Galaxy. Which is fine. I'm, I'm good with that. I've, I'm slightly disappointed, but not really. Uh, uh, we, we've discussed my feelings about the Quill-Thor dynamic. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> but, it's true. Uh, so, Spider-Man yeah. Far From Home, obviously, there's no way I'm not going to see it. Even though Homecoming uh, wasn't the Spider-Man movie that I wanted, uh, ever since I was a little kid, I have felt like Mysterio was the perfect cinematic Spider-Man villain. Absolutely. But more often than not, in offshoot media, he's treated as a joke. Uh, there have been video games that have used Mysterio, and he's always kind of the joke guy that Spider-Man sort of sees through what's going on, punches him in the head, and it's a one-and-done. He's not a boss character. He's like a side quest. He's kind of a benign version of the Scarecrow. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And and, and actually, there uh, there were spots in Far From Home that, to a certain extent, felt lifted from the Arkham uh, portrayal of yeah, the Scarecrow. Did. Yeah, that's true. Which yeah, is fine. True. I have yeah. no problem with taking great ideas and... Uh, sort of melding them to your own ends. Um, no, absolutely. But I've always felt like Mysterio could be potentially such a great... If you look at Spider-Man's rogues gallery, 
he has so many great villains, but so few that are really movie worthy. Like Rhino, Rhino doesn't get a movie. No. Scorpion doesn't get a movie. He gets he, he gets a, a scene in the after credits of a Spider Man movie. Yeah. And he'll be part of Sinister Six if they go that route. But he can't carry a movie. But Mysterio, because of the nature of his his uh illusions and, and everything else, like totally cinematic, totally perfect for a movie. And I'm happy to say Man, this was the Mysterio movie I've been waiting for since I was a little kid. Yeah, I, uh, it was absolutely great. Um, uh, Hall is a really good actor who uh, even admitted he was even he was nervous, kind of coming into an MCU movie. Sure, and, sure. And they do do something a little different with the character. They do introduce him in a very different way. Um, uh, that if you don't know going in. If you've never heard of Mysterio going in, maybe it's maybe it trick fools you a little bit. <laughs> but um, well, you know, what I admired so much though is that even though you know us us smart comic book guys, quote unquote, know Mysterio's deal, the way that they handled the marketing and the promotion, they they never showed their hand, and we know that the MCU yeah. has taken liberties with certain characters. Sure. So, even though we know Mysterio, going into the movie, I didn't know for sure that it was going to turn out the way it did. I Obviously, it's what I hoped for, because that's right. the Mysterio movie I've always wanted, but we didn't know. No, that's fair. For a minute, I thought maybe we were going to see him fail and turn. As opposed right. to as opposed to always being a bad guy, that maybe there was going to be kind of a tragic turn that he took. Um, it, it, so so yeah, you're right. They did, and John Hall was very sly in interviews, saying like, "Well, this is a different take on the character." Yes, and you know, I'm kind of nervous, and you know, when you look back on it, it's not a very different take on the character at all. It's no, not at all. Which is which is wonderful because yeah. it's exactly yeah. what I was looking for. Uh, and again, for the listeners, you've seen the movie by now. If if you haven't, yes. you shouldn't be listening to this. No. Uh, but Hall just did this wonderful thing where the movie opens, uh, and we have Nick Fury and Maria Hill, which, by the way, I really enjoyed seeing Samuel L. Jackson and Kobe Smulders. Smulders? Smulders. Smulders. Smul- yeah. um, I really enjoyed seeing them in this movie. So uh, they... They were in their traditional MCU roles, but engaging in sort of a different way. And they open the movie. They they establish like this is their our MCU intro. It doesn't start with Peter. Uh, it doesn't start with anything else. They're going to check out some big disaster. And I love the idea that they're out there doing this kind of stuff. Well, seeing them always gives me kind of the warm and fuzzies because. Uh, to me, the real MCU started with the first Avengers. Um, and I know Iron Man started it all, but the movies after that were hit and miss. And it wasn't until Avengers that really things kind of came together to well, me. Well, and it wasn't until Avengers that we really actually believed, holy shit, this is happening. Right, exactly. And and those two characters are kind of benchmarks of the Avengers, you know, you know, and, and, and S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and uh, while I watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it, it bears no resemblance to the shield presented in the movies 
And um, so, yeah, I get a little. There's, I don't know, there's a comfort factor with having them in the movie, especially the two of them together. And and they come to this Mexican village that has been devastated by a cyclone with a face. With a face, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. they find Jake Gyllenhaal in this ludicrous costume that is actually, that looks amazing. Oh, it's incredible! It's straight out of the comics. But again, they use that brilliant MCU method of folding it into their mythology. And it's even mentioned in the movie, well, he looks like a combination of Iron Man and Thor. And you're like, holy yeah. shit, he he does. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it works. And, no, uh, he, yeah. t- and he tells them, you don't want any part of this. And what I love so much is until we get the big reveal, Hall is playing this, like, sort of boring, stoic hero. Tragic hero, right? He's, yes. he's playing. He's Cable. Yes, he's very generic, um, yeah. and it's it's not bad in any way. But it's the same thing we've seen a thousand times before. It's this this character who walks alone. Who? Yeah, he reminds me of Nathan Summers, right? Where yeah. he's got like this, you know, this lot, this this lost world that he's trying to reclaim or, or save, or the last survivor or something. And or he failed, he's and he's trying and, to. Yeah, he, he's yeah. trying to make up for it, like. Yeah, it's it's amazing to watch that switch get flipped, and you you're the one that used the term flipped when we were talking yeah. on, uh, online before. Yeah. He flips a switch and turns from this sort of boring guy that you wouldn't want to see a whole movie about yeah. to weird like crazy villain guy. He uh, John Hall plays two very different characters in the movie. Yes. And I noted you, one thing that I found kind of funny is part of the through line of this movie is who's going to be the next Iron Man. Yeah. And this was very similar to a certain twist in Iron Man 3. Um, you know, a, a different angle on it. Yeah, but yeah. still, where, where all of a sudden you find out that someone was a performer <laughs> and not really the villain that they were made out to be. Well, and also uh, you're, you're dealing with your protagonist suffering from a certain amount of PTSD. Yes, because Peter has lost his his gateway. Like, isn't that fascinating? How they basically skipped Uncle Ben and are using Tony kind of as his Uncle Ben. Although, did you notice? Uh, and you're right, but did you notice that Peter's suitcase was Ben's? Oh, I did not. I did not. See yeah, that. the That's nice. they, Yeah, they do a little shot on it when he's closing it up. And it's got the initials uh, BJP on it. Oh, uh, Benjamin okay. Parker. Okay, that's cool. Which that's very I, cool. I thought was a nice little touch. And actually, they lingered on it just long enough for me to think, like, is this going to be a thing? But it, typically when that's a thing, it's Peter's parents that are, like, super spies or whatever bullshit they decide <sighs> that's going to be. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I hate, I hate that no, shit. No, I don't, I don't care for that either. That's... that's, that's no. Uh, throw... Uh, Blast that out of the continuity air hatch, please. Yeah, I can't stand that. Uh, so yeah, he had Ben's uh, suitcase, which was a nice. Put that in this vault with his deal with the devil. Oh my god! And all that. Yeah, yeah that's all that bullshit. Horrible, horrible. Uh, yeah. And and this again, this being the MCU that takes the best pieces of the mythology, I don't think we have to worry about that stuff showing up. Probably not. Uh, so, but we open with this big dramatic Mysterio. Who is this? Yeah. Yeah. But we, it's real quick, though. It's real quick. It is. It's very quick, but it establishes uh, the bigger world that we're in. And then we go into 
something that is both like devastating and <laughs> hilarious at the same time. I forgot. Yeah. I will always love you. Whitney Houston comes on the soundtrack. Oh my god! Over Everybody, over the Marvel logo. Over, over the, the Marvel logo. Everybody yeah. in the theater is dying. We don't know why this song is playing, but the connotation yeah. of the song is just so cheesy and hilarious that everybody in the theater is laughing. And then we go into this very clearly uh, amateurish tribute to the Fallen Avengers. Which, <laughs> I hate to say, touched me a little bit. Oh, it totally like, did. Because it's just, so, just, it's so seeing, just being remind, And just being reminded. It wasn't even the tribute. Like, that was obviously a joke. It was just, oh yeah, we're living in a world without these guys now. Yeah. And, well, and also yeah. that the world, my, my uh, Phantom Jr. leaned over to me after they, they played that reel, and he was like, I didn't know the world even knew about Vision. <laughs> I was like, that's a, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll find out on the TV show. Right, right. Yeah, Wand, WandaVision coming soon to Disney+. Plus. We'll see. Um, so. Yeah, no, there, but yeah, and it turns out that it's, it's a tribute being put on the uh, awkward video announcements. <laughs> With Betty Brandt. By Betty Brandt and whoever the other guy is, and they're both hysterical. Oh, they're great. They're fantastic. What they're, they're, what a great way. To, and, and this is one of the things I did love about Homecoming and about Far From Home is I felt the balance of John Hughesian teen angst romance and superhero action is perfect. Yes, I think so, too. I think so, too. I, I think they, you know, I particularly love the the awkwardness of those morning announcements because, it, you know, we're, we're about the age that when those kind of started, you know, when, well, I, when schools I was could have in, those. I was in my high school's very first AV class, and we right. did those morning announcements. Now, we were, not, we were not the pretty kids, so we weren't actually on camera. Of course. But of course. we produced right. them, and we edited them, and we cut them all together, and we played the song that opened the morning announcements and all that stuff. Right. So, like, that was, yeah, yeah, that was a big deal. That's interesting. Yeah, no, I I do like how they how they set it up, and then they bring us. We have our little morning announcements, and then they bring us into Peter's world. And for a for a good chunk of the movie, this is just a teen comedy. Yes, absolutely. And it, but it's balanced so well. And Tom Holland and uh, the the kid playing Ned. I apologize to the kid playing Ned for not knowing his name. Uh, their chemistry is so good. Zendaya is great with them. And then Jacob the, Batalon. Okay, yes, he's, Jake. Uh, oh my gosh, he, he's, I'm glad we got more of him in this one. He's a treasure. He is, he is. Uh, and well, and even Flash in this one, I didn't care for the way they did Flash in Homecoming, but I felt like he worked a little better in this one. Uh, he felt a little more organic as the, like, not really bully, but just jackassy teen guy. See, that's what I love about him in both, and what I was telling you, is that, that in this updated paradigm of high school right it's not the 1960s anymore right um that even flash thompson's a, a nerd yeah right it, like he's super smart and he's in that he's a he's a, you know in academics and everything and he's a rich kid and that's kind of where his assholiness seems to come from dude when they at the end of the movie when they're going to get their rides at the airport and the guy's there with the thompson sign and he says M mother couldn't come and you're just like oh he's got oh, issues yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, what I like though is they've kept the core that makes Flash Thompson the, an interesting character, which is he's a guy who hates Peter Parker but loves Spider Man. Yes, 
Yes. So that's to me all you need to keep in order to keep Flash. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm on I'm on board with this iteration of Flash now. Another yeah. quick thing that they did uh, when Peter was using Edith uh, to look at everybody's phones, Flash's message was "Mother and Father, I haven't heard from you in a couple of weeks." Oh, was it? I didn't <laughs> it think was. I, that one. <laughs> I didn't think I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. There's, they, there's a very sad backstory and and actually i mean in a way that kind of goes to a greater point you and i are talking about with the villains in both this film and the other one is that while we while they definitely do villainous things both michael keaton's character and his crew and gyllenhaal's character and his crew their motives are very understandable yes yes um and they're not even necessarily entirely wrong you know like uh, the 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 idea that, in, in again, it's the same people making the movies, but the idea that the Spider-Man villains are born out of the aftermath of the Avengers. <laughs> you know, they're they're born out of the, the wreckage um, of these people. And I think it's an interesting concept that Tony Stark, uh, just by virtue of being such a massive, important, and influential person, there was no way he wasn't going to leave damage in his wake, whether he intended to or not. Of course not. Yeah. And that's what we're dealing with in both of these movies. Now, I will say, uh, particularly with uh, Mysterio gaining control of, of Edith and Stark's drones and everything, I I do think at some point... All of this being Tony Stark's, like every villain being Tony Stark's fault, is going to get a little old. <laughs> yeah, even beyond the grave, he's fucking right. Yeah, fucking everything up. Like yeah. even even dead, I'm the hero is what Edith stood for. But <laughs> Which is also great. even dead, I'm the villain. Like it's at some point we need to find a fresh spin on this stuff. No, I I agree, and in this case, it was Stark. Which again is another parallel to Iron Man three. When you think about it, because right, Iron Man right. three is partly born out of him dis- him dismissing someone's idea. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the thing is, though, they did it with such slickness in this one that I can't complain because they, you know, obviously Gyllenhaal was kind of uh, worked into his scene. But when they did the flashbacks uh, in the big reveal in the bar where they're going through each of these people and how Stark has dissed or dismissed them. Uh, you know, we're flashing back to Obadiah Stane talking to that scientist, and that's the guy. Yeah, I thought that was great. Like, And, and yeah. I again, I hate not knowing that actor's name. He's been in a number of things. Like, you know those big blue eyes. Yeah. Uh, and, and another interesting thing, and we're jumping around a little bit here, but that's because this is a spur-of-the-moment organic dudes talking about a movie conversation in a way that it no is. Needless Things podcast has ever been. And I also saw two movies yesterday, so because I saw Toy Story 4 like three hours after I saw Spider-Man. Oh yesterday. my gosh, I wish, so. we could, I wish we could stay on after we're done and talk <laughs> yeah. about Toy Story 4. I've got so yeah. much to say about that, too. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, uh, well, yeah, no, we're just just so people know we're not we don't have a we don't have a script. We're just bullshitting. No, so, I have um, no notes. I have no agenda. This is no, purely we're just, talking just about the us movie and Hopefully, you'll and find it moderately entertaining. <laughs> um, but no, I I think you're right. I I, I think they they found a good balance. Um, I, one of one criticism I would lay at the feet of the movie is is that I think it's maybe a little over long. It's over two hours, and I think maybe 
they could have trimmed 10 minutes from the first half. Um, I don't think I needed to w- watch 30 seconds of Martin Starr dropping his camera into the water. There were these kind of little slapsticky moments um, and comedic beats uh, that were kind of almost that they said that John Hughes stuff, like it felt like Chevy Chase would have done it in vacation type of things that I thought maybe were a little, were a little much. Or honestly, actually, I just didn't like because I didn't think they were that funny and um, didn't really land for me. I I don't disagree, but at no point did I feel the movie dragged. No, I don't think it dragged. It there was, was just, there was stuff that was extraneous. Yeah, there were just jokes that I just didn't feel landed or, or weren't particularly great. That I thought, okay, or I, I just I love Martin Starr. I'm a freaks and geeks fan. I love the shit out of Martin Starr. Um, well, and in I, Silicon Valley, like I, I've uh, Party Down is actually one yes. of my favorite kind of hidden gem shows, and uh, I, I love him. But it's and, and he's good in this. He's funny, but I felt maybe they relied on him and JB Smoove a little too much for comic relief. You know what? I don't. I wouldn't even say relied on. I think they were just they were ha- they they uh, the director of the movie loves them and gave them a little bit more than was necessary because of that. No, that's fair. Yeah. I, I that's the feeling I got because. Nothing. I love JB Smoove too. Although I don't yep. know when he aged twenty years when I wasn't looking. Yeah, he looked a little rough. Wow. Yeah. Uh, th- like those guys. But it's been, it's both... been a while since he annoyed Larry David. <laughs> those um, guys are both great. Yeah. But they were completely irrelevant to the plot. Yeah, I mean they they. Uh, I think they they could have done a little bit of less is more with them. Um, but, uh, but again, I'm, I'm not complaining. It was just a, a little something that kind of along the way, I just felt I, I, I want, I, I want my Spider-Man movies to be funny, but I want Peter to be the primary source yes. of that. Yes. Um, and, and this kind of bungling teacher thing while it was a very, was amusing at times was also, I thought a little in the way a little bit at times. Yeah, but, I agree. Uh, it was, it wasn't bad. It was just unnecessary. Yeah. Although yeah. every time JB Smoove talked about witches, and yeah, that w- and that was another one when uh, when Peter was looking at everybody's phones, his phone uh, had a had a Google search for witchcraft. So so we get back into just chronologically, just to run ourselves through it. Sure. Then we get that we do know we we do get confirmation out that May is a hundred percent aware that Peter is Spider Man. Yes, which I, I mean, love, I, and it works. we we which we had that little tag at the end of the first one. Yes, but what it hasn't fuck? been ad- it hasn't been addressed since, right? So, and, and also both movies have now technically ended on the dropping of an f bomb, <laughs> but not quite. Yeah, but not quite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I so I thought that the, um, you know the the only thing I thought was weird was they a couple of the little spots that they put up on like Facebook and stuff. They put up the spot of MJ not wanting to swing anymore. Mm-hmm. Which is end tag, which is the mid credit tag. I thought right. it was strange to put that up as a trailer. Yeah. Um, uh, and then this whole thing with the Peter Tingle, uh, which I believe I said on Facebook is the name of my favorite gay porn star. But that Peter Tingle, the the whole like joke about his Spidey sense and them not wanting to ever say the word Spidey sense. So they make up this slightly awkward, slightly profane name for it. Like I laughed every time it came up, but. Yeah. It, it, them not wanting to say Spidey Sense is a little dumb. Yeah. That's yeah. that's black leather X-Men suit stuff. 
It was a little too, uh, again, yeah, it was funny the first couple times. I mean, May hitting him with the banana, banana was funny. Yes. But, uh, I'm still I'm still in mourning over the fact that um she's Aunt, that Marissa Tomei is Aunt May. But um <laughs> it make it makes sense. It just means we're gonna die one day. So sure. they um uh but no I I thought they did a good job of kind of showing she's very supportive of him as oh, Spider Man. I loved her. You need to take your costume. Take it. <laughs> Don't forget and then the fact that she packed it in his suitcase and that scene uh when he's going through customs they yeah. open, open up his suitcase, and you know, to us, the audience watching, <gasps> they saw his Spider-Man suit. Oh no! But of course, in real life, they don't give a shit. It's some weird costume he has. It's his pajamas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they move along. Like I thought, that was a very clever yeah. bit of sort of using the audience's knowledge against them. And the movie used a very kind of standard teen movie idea that Peter's got a plan of how he's going to win the yes. girl. Yes. Right? Him and MJ have been flirting. Off we, and oh, oh have... thing I want to hit first before we get to that real quick oh, yeah, yeah. is is um, one thing that was left over from Endgame that they, they explained in this was the idea that some of the class vanished and some of the class didn't. I think that's a very important beat to hit on. Yeah. The, the, the blip is what they call it in this timeline, uh, or what, what they call it Which when everyone I was gone. They gave it such a stupid name. Yeah, you know that everybody blipped and was gone, but because I remember at the end of at the at the end of Endgame, um, when Peter goes back to school, I was kind of like, "What the fuck?" Like, isn't it been years? Uh, so I was confused by that watching Avengers. Um, and and yes, of course, it's convenient that all of all of the friends got, got blipped out. Yes, but at the same Very time, convenient. I don't care. No. No, I, as long as they addressed it. Yes. And they made a couple jokes about, you know, oh, that guy well, went away and came back. and uh, Brad, right? Yeah, yeah, Brad. Brad is the worst. <laughs> he, he really is the worst. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They're like, you're like, I'd much rather hang out with Flash. But um, they, uh, so anyway, I just wanted to push that because that was the one kind of, that was one of the big kind of consequences of the snap thing that they kind of like, they kind of addressed you know, I watched The Leftovers on HBO, and that show was way more upset about it <laughs> than, uh, right, than right, this right, right. Than the movie was. The movie was just kind of like, some of us went away, some of us didn't, some of us got older, some of us didn't. Let's get on with the movie. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> which, so, uh, they, yeah, they needed to. And then they, I thought they handled it well. I loved the marching band popping up in the middle of the basketball game. Yes. Yeah, no, all that was great. But anyway, but yeah, so they, they, they have this very kind of standard teen movie set up where he's got a plan to win the girl. And we've all had that plan. Yes. And we all know how bad that plan is. It's a terrible idea. Yes. It's always a terrible idea. And and but I did like how they really worked in uh MJ. Uh, this is not this is you know, it's not your daddy's MJ. It's a different type of it's a different MJ. It's it the fact that her favorite flower is the black dahlia because of the murder. <laughs> yeah. That she's got this kind of, you know, she's a big like my favorite murder fan. And um, uh, there just seems to, uh, this this depiction of MJ I really enjoy. Um, not to say that it's better or worse than other depictions we've had. It's just it's fresh and different. Well, and she has they they have been careful to give her a degree of agency that a lot of your your female love interest protagonists whatever have not necessarily had over the years. Oh, I love the, uh, you look very pretty, therefore <laughs> I have value. Yeah. Like, and that's a legitimate 
that would be a legitimate call on her part. So it was kind of it was it was nice. Uh, yes, they have given her much more of a character, much more personality, and um, uh, and she's just great at it. She's really good in this. You know, I'm not. From, I haven't watched Euphoria yet, her show, but um, uh, she's. I, I really like her in these movies, but I, I do like the fact that Peter has this very, like you said, John Hughesy. All right, I'm going to get the thing, and then I'm going to get the necklace, and then yeah. we're going to be here, and then yes. I'm going to take her to the Eiffel Tower, and then I'm going to tell her how I like her, and then even Ned's like, yeah, okay, but don't do any of that. Yeah, yeah, it was it was great, and I loved uh, another thing about Mary or MJ. Sorry, yeah. uh, another thing about MJ, I love that she sort of broke the plot, but didn't just have that infallible genius thing. She just she found the piece of of Mysterio's uh, holographic projection equipment, right? And knew it was a thing, but it's not like she immediately just figured everything out. Well, her 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 main concern was the webs, though. Right? Yes, was yes. That she could sell that the uh, what would be called the night, 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 monkey. night monkey. Night monkey. <laughs> I love I love you know, Ned spur of the moment. He's called Night Monkey. And then, and then they they go on when he later on when he drops down into the street in front of that lady and she screams and goes night the monkey and runs yeah. away. Yeah, so good, <laughs> so good. Yeah, so so no, I liked you know, and I thought maybe it was going to be a, a kind of bait and switch from the trailer when he said I have something to tell you and she says you're Spider Man. I thought it was going to be some kind of bait and switch, but no, she figured it out. Yeah, and um, yeah. and but I do like her kind of relief. Where she's like, wait, I'm right. Well, and also that they they did play with that a bit where you're Spider-Man and he's like, oh, so the only reason you've been watching me, because they, they made a point earlier of him talking about uh, her giving him the looks and him feeling like there was chemistry there. And then there was that moment of pure like teenage boy destruction yeah. where what he thought isn't the case, even though it is, we as the audience realize that. But because yeah. of the situation they're in, she says, oh, you know, I just thought you were Spider-Man. And there's that total devastation, and Tom Holland's face just crumbles. Yeah. Well, that's that's traditional, too, right? Yes. That's, Clark, that's That's Clark Kent and Lois. Right, that's the you know that that's that relationship. That's um, even uh, Tobey Maguire Spider Man and and Kirsten Dunst a little bit, right? In in those films, you know, the idea that the that the girl's in love with the superhero, not the guy, right? You know, right. Um, so that's it's kind of a traditional thing, but I like that. That's not the case. He's just taking it. His in, his insecurity is taking him to that place, right? And then they don't have enough time to hash it out. Because the shit hits the fan. Then, because they found out that Peter's a fucking moron and made a giant mistake. <laughs> right. Which he's a sixteen-year-old kid. Like, I, I'm not complaining. No, not at all. Like, I totally get that because the movie went to the trouble of establishing from the very start that Peter did not want to be the next Iron Man. He's not yeah. comfortable with the idea that anybody might think he's the next Iron Man. He doesn't want it. So, yeah. like, he meets this guy who is, granted, very quickly established as a hero, but, like, it works. That To me, the movie did enough of the work to earn that dumb decision that Peter made. I'm going to be honest with you, Jake Gyllenhaal with that beard looking at me like that, I'd give him anything he wants. Dude, especially once he put those glasses on. Man. Woo, he, he's got some natural smolder. I'm, I'm very upset that he's, a, he's, he's getting better looking as he gets older. It's ridiculous. Um, 
but it so so no I you know yeah he does make a giant mistake but it, but you're right it it, it it totally works and and it, even though he is presented as this kind of boring hero guy there's an earnestness to them there's an empathy that he has for Peter and, you know he and even though I knew he was fucking Mysterio I still trusted him yes <laughs> you know in in the moment I trusted him well because we don't know again yeah the, the movie and the promotion beforehand did the work. To earn our uncertainty, yeah, yeah, and and while I wasn't surprised when he made his his turn, right, um, I I was I was pleasantly I was pleased by it. Oh yeah, uh, I still was. There's part of me that was still rooting for him, you know, like 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 up until that moment that was like, oh, I hope maybe maybe they really are going a different way with Mysterio and and um and so yeah, I thought that was really well done, like we said. And but, when you know when everything in the bar starts digitizing. Like yeah. it was, it was a let. Like it was the weirdest feeling for me because I was absolutely delighted that they were going the classic Mysterio route, but I was also let down. I was like, "Oh no, he's betraying Peter!" I but, was very bummed for Peter. But very- awesome, they're doing it. All the digita- yeah. uh, digitization starts happening, and he he leans back and just immediately gets that smug. Dick nose grin and says that wasn't so hard, was it? And you're like, I mean, the way he talks, you're like, no. The way he moves is different. The way he talks yes, is different. Yes. He just becomes this kind of yeah, this kind of like just normal guy asshole. Yeah, and uh, con artist, showman, whatever. But but yeah, no, I that was a it was a really great moment. But I had the same kind of sinking feeling that I was yeah. like, oh man, like. Well, and you kind of even Peter trusted you, asshole. You kind of even knew it as Peter was walking away because they did that one aw shucks shot through the window as he's walking down the street away from the bar. Like, he looks back that one last time at Beck and gives him that, like, thanks, fella, look. And, like, even at that point, you're kind of like, oh, boy, what's getting ready to happen? Well, the other thing that tips your hand, too, is that they beat the, quote-unquote, they beat the big monster with, like, an hour left in the movie. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, it, it's the, the unfortunate thing, too, is we know what time in the movie we're in. Uh, yeah. yeah. And you're like, there's still the, a lot of movie left. It was it was paced pretty well, though, to where, uh, well, one, I didn't know how long the movie was. I mean, obviously, yeah. at this point, we've got a pretty good idea that MCU movies are two hours. But unfortunately, we have about half an hour of trailers before every movie we see now. Yes, so it, it kind of removes here here's let me let me throw you this in the middle of our far from home conversation let me pitch you my idea mm-hmm. uh i think that there are two things that need to happen to what's going on before we see theatrical movies because uh pe- people aren't going to theaters like they used to no it's a problem uh they need to have two maybe three theatrical exclusive trailers and that's it these are trailers that you cannot see on youtube you have to go to the movie theater to see that would that would be cool um and we maybe start you know studios maybe start going back to having uh shorts prior to the movies 
I was stunned that Toy Story 4 didn't have a short. I really was too, but at the same time, I was kind of glad. But I haven't seen a Pixar movie in theaters for a while. This is the first Pixar movie I've seen in theaters in several years, so I didn't know when they had stopped doing that. No, this this was the first, because, um, oh shit, what was the last one? The one with the dumpling or whatever. Coco? Um, Oh no, we we didn't see Coco. As a matter of fact, I still haven't seen Coco. I've heard Um, it's good. Incredibles 2, I think, had the, the dumpling short okay. in front of it. Uh, yeah, I didn't see that in the theater. I, I didn't care for Incredibles 2 at all. Uh, let me down. But to, to get back to Far From yeah. Home, to uh, 30 minutes of trailers well, can is, I add is something no real quick. Yes, Can I add do. something real quick? When please I do. do watch a trailer on YouTube, please don't put a commercial in front of it. I'm already watching a fucking commercial. Oh, and not only that, what is what is up with the... And and now it's time for the trailer for the trailer you're about to watch. I what just is that all, I, shit? all I know is I click on oh look there's a new trailer for Knives Out the new Ryan Johnson movie I'll check that out. Here's a 15 second ad for Toyota. I'm already yeah, watching the commercial. That's annoying. Uh, and and I will I will say to to go back to our ongoing discussion of Ryan Johnson and the Last Jedi. Uh, no matter how I feel about the Last Jedi. I do like Ryan Johnson as a creator, and Knives Out looks fucking incredible. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. Uh, matter of fact, every trailer, uh, every trailer we saw prior to Far From Home, because there was one for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, well, yeah. which I mean, obviously, I'm you know, come on. Yeah, um, Knives Out uh, looks awesome. Um, kill, kill anybody in a fight, you go to jail. It's called manslaughter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my yeah. gosh, uh, fantastic! And then Hobbs and Shaw, my gosh, they I, just... I, I'm a little let down by the the most recent Hobbs and Shaw trailer, but we'll see. We'll I see. man, I'm I'm all in. I'm all in. I I, I love those movies, but this is going to sound really fucking dumb. Untethered from the kind of mythos in the family, I don't know if I care as much, and that sounds really stupid because who cares? See, but. I- I haven't watched hardly any of those movies. Oh, see, I've seen every one of them oh, many, many, many oh. times. But so, and I love the, and I like the characters, so I'm, I'm definitely going to see it. See, um, to me, this, this, all, all this, the, when I look at this trailer, when I see Hobbs and Shaw, all yeah. I see is Rock Statham Elba. And, and that is it. why I will be there. <laughs> um, but I, I do. What I, I do enjoy the Fast and the Furious movies because they are actually well-made, well-written movies. They're just really stupid. and the <laughs> But the characters it. have tangible wants and goals, and it's very clear, and the writing's very clear. It's just what they want is stupid. What they believe in is stupid. Was, there, <laughs> was Shirley's Theron the bad guy in the last one? She was. Okay, I did see that one. That was really good. Yeah, except for you had to watch her make out with Vin Diesel, which was not good. Uh, I did not enjoy that at all. Uh, but um, uh, I just don't know if Vin Diesel should kiss people on screen. Anyway, so <laughs> so back to Far From Home. So anyway, so so this one thing I would say before going into this movie, I was a little worried about was I've started to believe that Into the Spider Verse might be my favorite and possibly the greatest superhero movie ever made. Uh, it's incredible. So I was a little worried that I, as much as I love Tom Holland and did like Homecoming and yeah, have yeah, loved yeah. some of the other movies, I was a little worried. Like, am I ready to watch another Spider-Man movie that's not that's not Spider Verse? That's not that right. And and while I wouldn't, I still don't think this is as good as that. Um, I was because that movie I've seen, I've watched so many times since it came out on video, but I was still able to really enjoy this and remind myself that like. 
as much as I love Into the Spider Verse, that the bet probably the biggest joy before that I've ever gotten out of Spider Man was his appearance in Civil War. And when we met Tom Holland, we met Peter in Civil War. I was like, yes, finally. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, finally yeah. got it right. I mean, no one had. I think it was Kevin Smith pointed this out. No one had ever bothered to give him a Queens accent before. Yeah. Like he sounds like a, a poor kid from Queens. Like it, it just as soon as he walked, as soon as he said two words in Civil War, I was like, "Oh, finally!" Well, and, and also he's a kid. Yes, he, yes. He looks like a kid, and you know, I, I there are things I love about Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's performance as Peter Parker in Spider Man. Yeah, but Tom Holland is you know he's the idea of Spider Man that we grew up with. He he is, but he's also, but and he's also thoroughly modern at the same time, though. You know, he's not. You know, it, before these movies, if you would ask me my ideal Spider-Man movie, it would have looked. It would have been like it would have taken. It would have been like Archie with superheroes, right? It would have taken place in the fifties with Letterman jackets and poodle skirts. Like that's where I play Spider-Man in my head. Oh, interesting. Um, okay, you know, I think that would. By the way, I still think that would be a really cool, like a period piece Spider-Man movie. Oh but, yeah, yeah, but. I like the fact that he is very much the Peter that we know, but he's he's Peter we know adapted for today, and um and I really do enjoy um I, as I just I really enjoy Tom Holland's Spider Man quite a bit um and uh it, it's it's not his fault that he doesn't have Peter Porker at his side and so <laughs> um it's a very dude there was a Peter Porker I, I paid money to see Peter Porker on the big screen I still will never get over that but. Um. Uh. But yeah, no. He he's. Listen, every we all know that the number one, probably the most impressive thing Marvel has done over these past eleven years has been casting. Yes. Right. You know, we can argue over the movies, and some are better, and some are worse, and 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 even you know, and I've admitted this. I've gotten sometimes I've gotten a little fatigue from the Marvel films, um, despite loving them. And, and and we can argue over this movie or that movie, but the casting down the line has been so amazing. <laughs> and this movie and, and this 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 nook, I'm so glad they got a hold of Spider Man from Sony. I'm so glad that Sony was able saw the light um, and was able to kind of share this with them. The casting is just amazing, <laughs> and there's and he's so good and she's so good and all the villains have been great and I don't know. The acting in these movies is probably better than, uh, no, not better than you deserve. That sounds dismissive, but it just, they don't have to be this good for the movies to still be awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's you know? a lot of depth, a lot of emotional core to everything that happens. Uh, Michael Keaton in the car in the first one was one of the best scenes that year. Yeah, of anything. Of anything, of any movie. So it, it just, it's just, it's just really phenomenal. And you can see where they're attracting these, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal has his own production company. He makes, you know, quote-unquote serious films. You know, like, he's a real... What was... Uh, really interesting films. What was the one he was in, uh, this has probably been a few years ago now, where he was, he had a video camera and he was going around recording... Action. Nightcrawler. Man. It's a great performance. That is my absolute favorite performance from him. Yeah. As uh, a great. And, and just for the listeners, if you have not watched Nightcrawler, you, you should do it immediately. Yeah, it's one of his better performances. Um, and in End of Watch, he's really good. And um, uh, the the 
uh, what's the guy that did Suicide Squad? Um, his his film, and um, yeah, no, he he's really great. So so anyway, but um, the one thing I was maybe a little reticent on this film was that I'm a little tired of us destroying other people's cities for action sequences. It kind of felt like <laughs> like well, let's go to Venice and fuck up Venice, and then let's go to London and fuck up London. But in this <laughs> instance, that was the point of the villain's motivation. It was. It so was. so it yeah. wasn't it wasn't just a random happenstance. It was literally Beck's intent to destroy these cities to draw attention to what he was doing. No, that's absolutely true. It, it, it's more in the telling of it and right. the process right. of it that exactly. I kind of like hey, I've done this. But <laughs> and and we get to also point out that Beck's pl- Beck's plan is pretty much Syndrome's plan from the first Incredibles, right? But Mysterio was around a long time before Syndrome, and he, has, he was. while he hasn't had this exact plan He's before, done something similar? Okay. Yeah, he has had the, look at me, I'm a hero now, like, he's 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 had that idea. It's happened. Well, speaking of Mysterio, what did you think of the Scarecrow fear gas sequences? You know where we where it got real impressionistic and and, and I, I absolutely loved them. I will say this though, um, in the comics and I think in the animated series as well, Mysterio's illusions don't really work on Spider-Man because of his speed, uh, spider sense or Peter Tingle, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, and I will. At one point, Mysterio actually his the mist that comes out of his suit actually has a chemical agent in it that confuses Peter's spider sense. Right. And well, I think you kind of got the inverse in this, right? Where it affects him at first, and then by the end, his spider sense adjusts so that he do- it doesn't work and, on him anymore. And, it, and, and that was the thing. is like Initially, I was like, well, wait a minute. Why is he falling for this so completely? And I kind of wish they had used that a little bit to explain why Peter was so disoriented but visually they were so awesome it was so different from anything that we had seen and it really I mean this is what I wanted out of Mysterio is this kind of weird shit so it, I'm I'm down with it, it see I, I, I bought it because um, don't you remember him getting hit with a banana <laughs> That's his, a good point. His, his spidey sense you're is right. not on point right they, now. You're right. They established they, they right at the beginning. They that he's a little you're off. Correct. You're you are know? correct. So it, it takes him a while. And, and, and there is maybe they're drawing a, you know, a, an idea where his spider sense is, you know, aligned to his confidence. You know, it's when he's feeling like it's kind of like in Into the Spider-Verse, not the, you, know, it, you know, where Miles can't do the shock and. Right, he, he can't, right. He can't do it on command. You know, it, it finally has to come to him. Or that at this point, he's been Spider-Man for what maybe a year. Yeah, and maybe it's just not developed as strongly. Well, we didn't see it until Infinity War. Uh, yeah, and Infinity Infinity War technically was the first time where we saw like visual evidence of it when the uh, hairs on his arm. Yeah, rose and up that's on the bus. Really, all we're going off of. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, yeah, but I they, thought it made it glorious at the end. I thought it made it glorious at the end in the hallway scene, which my audience got a huge cheer. And oh it yes, wrecking robots in a hallway. But and he just when he grabs Mysterio, yeah, and grabs the gun, 
Tom Holland just looks wrecked because his his innocence yeah. has been shattered. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Yeah, he's he's oh, very good at that moment. That and, was and, so raw and, like, just heartbreaking. Well, and it's also, you know, Peter's a, you know, here's a yet another guy who could have been a mentor to him, yeah. you yeah. know, that was a mentor to him briefly, that, that he's now, you know, in, in a way that, you know, Michael Keaton wasn't really, but he was his girlfriend's dad, you know, yeah. and, um, and 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 now with Tony gone, and now here's another guy who like came along that remember he 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 thinks that Mysterio should be the next Iron Man, right? So so there's almost the this guy's like, oh man, I thought you were going to be Tony, <laughs> you know, and and so there's also a disappointment at the end there, you know. Yeah, his innocence is wrecked, and yeah, he's been through a lot, and this man is dying, but there's also just a disappointment of like, I thought, I don't know, there was just there was just something very. Again, father and sonny mentory about it. Um, that, that was interesting. Which actually, from what I've seen from the interviews, kind of translates well into their actual off-screen relationship. Yeah, um, all of the pictures of them and the in the weird stuff that they've been wearing to the premieres and stuff. Yeah, they, well, they seem think, to have a fun relationship there. I think Tom really looks up to Jake. Yeah, and um, and it, it it shows and and it works well it does the movie a good service by doing that by with that relationship it kind of bleeds through a little bit which i liked um but no i think you know there's there's so much um we didn't talk about how the the how much happy hogan's in this movie um lots of happy lots lots of happy in may lots of happy in may which was uh you know i which i like the little twist at the end that she only sees it as a summer fling yeah so, oh man and, and peter has to leave because it's so awkward yeah he's like i, I gotta get out i got a date <laughs> um so i do like that but i like seeing i mean it, it, i don't know there's something it, there's something kind of fun about favreau sticking around and yes. favreau having been here you know being the one who directed a, the first iron man and now we know you know you and i are excited because of his next television project oh um, gosh but just having him stick Star- around and play starring happy. Werner Herzog with Carl and Carl Weathers. Um, Combat Carl, Weathers, Carl. I'm going to probably end up buying a 12 inch Carl Weathers Star Wars figure. So my gosh, I hope so. Um, but they had a, a, um, but so I thought, you know, having him in it is kind of a, a obviously as a reminder of Tony. Yeah. Um, but also of, uh, uh, just, Favreau's a good energy in these movies. He plays it right. He knows he, he knows the tone. He set the tone. Well, partially, I, right? I like that Happy is not the answer guy. He's he's the rock. He's stable. But yeah. when it comes down to it and he says, what are you going to do? He's not oh, saying, what are you going to do? Because he has an answer to that question. He's literally asking Peter, what are you going to do? <laughs> that scene, actually, that was the scene that got to me, was when he started, when they're in the jet, and Peter starts building his suit. And in that moment, he looks like Tony. Well, and that's that's what, uh, that's one thing I wanted to bring up, and I'm glad we came back around to it. Yeah. Is that whole scene, because I, I, when we were messaging before we yeah. started recording... I said I would actually be okay if Peter does become the next Iron Man-like figure in the MCU, and then they bring Miles in to actually be Spider-Man. Because to me, we haven't really seen what I think of as Spider-Man. 
No, because, bitch, he's been to space. Right, exactly. We haven't seen a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and I would actually, watching that scene with, like you said, Happy is sitting there watching Peter do exactly the stuff we saw Robert Downey Jr. do in the Iron Man movies. And it was so it was so touching for Happy. It was touching yes. for the audience. Yes. Um, I only saw Endgame once, but uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And and so that that kind of reminder kind of hit, hit 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 well. I thought it was it was good. And then a, a joke that was interestingly very generational because when he he puts on the ACDC, which was a nice touch. I love right? Led Zeppelin. And then he says, I love Led Zeppelin. My audience was fairly young, and nobody laughed. Oh, our audience all laughed. Because I think a big chunk of my audience did not realize that was a joke. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I think most of our theater, we were in a pretty young theater, but they, yeah. they all seemed to get it. Yeah, mine was like, I, I laughed, and then like I didn't hear a whole lot of la- other laughter, and I was like, oh, maybe they don't, maybe they think this is Led Zeppelin. I will say this, my I, there were several occasions, I can't think of anything specific, where my laughter was the loudest <laughs> in the theater, and I was yeah. like, ooh. That's, sometimes that's the product of older people making the movie for younger people. Well, and that's what and, it is, is these people are our age. Yeah, and there's going to be jokes that they make that are going to fly over the heads of, not not, not fly over the heads, it just aren't going to relate to the kids watching it yeah. you know, currently. Which is um, fine, because they tend to be you know very much like the Pixar movies. There, There's some stuff for people our age, there's some stuff yeah. for the kids, there's some stuff, like it, they, they do... In do the case of Toy of Story things. 3, there's some things for sadists. Oh my gosh, don't um, even get me started. So that's what I was trying to do is probably poke you. But, there, <laughs> but uh, I will say one thing that, at least judging by my crowd, one thing that flew real well was the relationship, was yes. the love story. Um, it seemed to hit when, when MJ finally gives him just a little – I love how awkward their first couple kisses were. Yes, they did not go into the, like, superhero kiss. No, it was just like a peck. And this girl in the back of the audience, she couldn't have been probably more than 15, 16, went, thank you. <laughs> like, like we've been waiting the whole damn movie for that. We had, we had a similar response. That I think a, a, a girl somewhere around us said, yay! Like, something, you know, something <laughs> yeah. along those lines. Like, it was very, it got a, it got a very warm reception. And again, well, I feel like it's because the movie did the work. It does. And it's, it's been, this isn't the case of him trying to win her over. Right, they're two kids that like each other. Yeah, that just don't know how to say it. Yes, right? or yes. just too awkward to say it. I do love. Uh, oh God, what was it? Was mysterious says to him, "I give you a, I give you a fifty fifty chance with her. You are kind of awkward." Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was, and you're like, yeah, he could easily mess this up. <laughs> um, you know, she she obviously digs him, but he could totally screw this up. And um, and yeah, I think I don't know, man. I I. I did like this movie, I think, more than Homecoming. Now, my experience watching Homecoming was a little tainted by the fact that I saw it in 3D at a, uh, very, sh- at a, at a very shitty theater in Atlanta when I was home. Uh, we talked about this, one of those, like, was a UA, like, classics or whatever, or AMC classics or whatever it is. Uh, like, so the, the lighting wasn't good? They, they, the bulb was, like, turned. It was so low, and the entire, like, finale of that movie takes place at night yeah. on a moving airplane, and I couldn't tell what was happening at any given moment. Like, I could tell, I could see what was happening better with my glasses off than I could with the glasses on for the 3D. Um, and I've watched the movie since, and, and I do really enjoy it. Um, but this one, like, I, I, I came out kind of really happy. I came out really, really excited. Um, 
for it. And and we should get, of course, to the to the uh, tags. To yeah, the we've, we've got to get to the post credit scene. The, right. the first one of which it just made me. Ha- I mean, it made me upset because of what story is come. You know where the storyline's going. Right. Um, not, you know, not, you know, just, just, just worried for Peter, but, um, uh, so we, we, we come back and Peter and MJ have had their little date where he's flying her, he's swinging her around New York. I mean, one thing I will say that, um, once they got back to New York and he was kind of swinging through New York, it did remind me, I really hope the next one takes place in New York. Yeah. Um, I'd really like we need a friendly, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man again. Because yeah, and I just enjoyed watching him swing through the buildings, and that's yes. not something we got as much of. Um, and then her saying, "Let's never do that again," which is funny, but I'd already seen it because oddly they used that in commercials, which I thought was strange. But it um, was, I did like it because it goes against the traditional, like the Superman taking Lois Lane for a flight, and it's all sweet and wonderful, and they're both so happy afterwards. And MJ is just like, eh, "Yeah, that was terrible." Can you? Can, <laughs> Can you read my mind? Um, yeah, right. uh, <laughs> I've never understood that scene as a kid. Um, uh, no, it's true, and I like the fact that she was in utter horror the entire time. Yes. But then, a, then a news broadcast comes on, and only in a way that happens, of course, in movies like this, yeah, right. where nine feet tall, and it just happens to be about the person we're with who's sitting there in front of this giant screen. And who comes on screen playing J. Jonah Jameson? Oh, my gosh. Vern Schillinger himself. Academy Award winner J.K. Simmons. <laughs> returning, returning. Returning to the role. Returning to what it could arguably be the best part about the first three Spider-Man movies. Man, I, and, and the thing is, you know, we, we're, we're both... Well, everybody now is, is online all the time, and we see message boards and comment sections yeah. where everybody's sort of doing their pipe dream like oh it would be great if they brought him back as J. Jonah Jameson but you know it's never going to happen because this is a different continuity it's a different world they can't do that Oops, shit man nobody <laughs> gave a shit because there he is because J.K. Simmons is awesome oh my gosh <laughs> and, and he he's comes on so perfect and he comes on screaming and it's a good setup Mysterio with his dying breath it seems like um, Which was just brutal. Frames Peter. And he said, he said though, they, and that's the thing is this didn't come out of nowhere. He no, said, doesn't. I have contingency plans. Like he, like yeah. they well, set he, it up. They established and he even, it. And he even said something to Peter along the lines of you'll learn. Yes. Like you, yes. you'll see what happens or something yes. like that. You know, kind of, you know, it, it was in a, it felt like it was in a different context in the moment. But when you look back, it's kind of like, well, you'll see what happens when they all turn against you. Oh, um, and, and so that was, but in as much as horrified as I was about, uh, him revealing who Peter Park, the, the Spider-Man's Peter Parker to the world. And J. Jonah, it, I, I didn't matter. J. Jonah, J. Key Simmons was on screen screaming and that's all I cared about. <laughs> menace, a menace, a public menace. Public enemy number one. I heard Mysterio, the greatest hero of our time. From the dailybugle.net, I think it was, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that just, that was such a joy. Like, it made up for, in a lot of ways, the lack of Stan Lee cameo. Yes. Like, this is the first one without a Stan Lee cameo, I think. Oh, you're right. You're right. So, I mean, you know, other than there was a whole title card at the end for Stan and Jack. Um,. But besides that, this there was no Stanley cameo in this one. Well, uh, this the revelation of Peter's identity does sort of lead into because this 
what happened in this movie made me retroactively, I think, appreciate Homecoming more. I need to go back and watch it again and kind yeah. of take this all as one story. Yeah. But now that I do feel the way that I do and that Peter could potentially step up into a, a role that's different from Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, maybe this revelation of his identity will force that. Maybe so. I mean, maybe you're onto something simply because, I mean, as much as I, I, I want to get at least one more good Spider-Man movie out of Tom Holland. Before, sure. But we know, I mean, we talked about, you know, Marvel closing down the Ultimate Universe. They staged an entire event just to get Miles Morales into the main universe, right? Right. The entire point of that entire entire event, I forget even what it was called, because there are so many of them, Ultimatum, yes. was to get him into Earth 616. Six, or no, 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 that wasn't Ultimatum. That happened in, uh, was it Secret Wars? It was something, I don't It was the one where the we were melding, and the only thing that happened at the end of it was Miles was now on Earth. Is it six, six yeah, it, I can't remember what it was. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. if it was what led to Secret Wars or yeah. if it was Secret Wars. But it was the Save Miles Morales crossover. And, and I just so, remember Miles had a cheeseburger in his. Uh, in his tights, yeah, and he gave yeah. it to Molecule Man. Yeah, and he's a he's an important character to Marvel. Um, he's shown his viability in into the Spider Verse. Yes, and I think we would be fools not to not to not to think that we're we're going to see him one day live action. Absolutely. You know, I, I mean, we've already yeah, met they, his uncle. We've already met Uncle Aaron, um, but. Uh, and again, I have reservations only because I, I have Miles and he's awesome already. But um, yeah, yeah, uh, that and I, I, just because I haven't talked about this on the podcast, Miles's leap of faith in Spider-Man into the, into the multiverse is probably my favorite scene of the last five years. Oh, I think it's one of the greatest comic book movie scenes ever. I think it's the greatest comic book movie scene ever. I think you, the, you might be right when he jumps off and the the combination of the music. And the way it's done, and that gorgeous shot where he's falling up, um, is astounding. And my six-year-old, she'd kill me, five and three-quarters year old. <laughs> um, she hasn't seen the whole movie because it's a little old for her. But we've watched the last half hour many times because she loves the soundtrack. She loves that song. Yeah. And she just she'll say, "Can we watch? Can we watch the part where Spider-Man jumps off the building?" And the moment when he hits. He hits the nadir and he he flings up his webs and the how you like me now comes on from the song and the soundtrack yeah. and he swings up. It is the most thrilling, <laughs> joyful like Spider-Man experience I think I've ever had. I mean, it's, it's it's almost as iconic and memorable as when uh, Holly Berry first uh, jumps across a rooftop in Catwoman. Of course. Well, I mean. <laughs> Listen, man. You know when you're when you're swinging with the greats. You know, I was I was gonna say Brandon Lee jumping across the rooftops in the crow, but um, uh, kids ask your parents. But yeah, yeah. they <laughs> I keep trying to bring it back. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. I, I so I think. But but you're right. I mean, it, I would I want to see one more solid. Um, him is Spidey. Yeah. Him is Spidey. Him in New York is Spidey. Well, I don't needs, know. He needs to graduate. I think that's where we're headed, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, we head towards some graduating, you know, which in, you know, I have an affection for the first two Raimi Spider-Man movies, but 
you know, he graduates like 10 minutes into the first one. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, they're in high school for maybe 15 minutes before, because they're like, uh, the guy we hired like 30. So, <laughs> so I just, all I remember from that, not all, but I remember in that movie, you like, you meet him, and, da, 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 and then like 20 minutes in the movie, him and Franco have a loft downtown. <laughs> I, I still, I will still say, though, that Spider, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 is the best Spider-Man movie as of now. Live action. Best live action Spider-Man movie is it? Best live action movie, probably yes. There, I have some. There's a shot at the end of it with Mary Jane running slow motion her wedding dress that just makes me laugh for the wrong reasons. <laughs> but um, besides that, no, I like that movie uh, quite a bit, um, uh, live action wise. But this one, this one's up there for me alongside it. Um, it's much more. It's much more Spider-Man y than Homecoming was because he's he's not relying on a tech suit. Um yeah. he he is just being Spider-Man dealing with Spider-Man stuff. And to be fair, he is the new Tony Stark because he almost blew up his own bus. <laughs> so that is very oh, Tony man. that is very Tony to be like to, to 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 you know he does save the bus from himself. And that was a cool shot too, when he popped up out of the top of the bus. That was great. That was yeah. that, that was as cool as Tom Holland has looked, and and it, like and t- I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah, like, yeah. He's, I mean, he's they not... have yet they okay. have yet to hit. Sorry, they have yet to hit the moment. They, I guess they came close with the ferry, but like the moment where Tobey Maguire stops the train. Yeah, that's Spider Man Two. Huge is still such a amazing, probably the most heroic moment in any Spider Man movie. Um uh, and then even uh, it's a little cheesy, but I love it of the New Yorkers passing him back, you know. And, oh and yeah, yeah. Their yeah. wonder that he's you know he's just a kid, you know, and and, and th- that seems amazing. Although I thought they did a good job. I like h- h- the shot of him holding the ferry together in Homecoming. I thought it was yeah. really cool. And I, I do like that these two movies are just him kind of fucking up because, like you said, he's sixteen. Yeah, he's <laughs> trying know? his best. Now let's. Um, we have to discuss mm-hmm. that second post credit scene. That one was a little, yeah. That yeah, that yeah. one was so much more post credit scene than I was expecting, and two, it changes the whole movie. It, well, it fixed my only major problem with the movie because the whole time the movie's going on, like I was really enjoying it, but at the back of my head, the whole entire time, I was like, I just don't believe that this guy fooled Nick Fury and Maria. I felt, I felt that way too. Yeah. And and then they fix it at the end because it's not yeah. Nick Fury and Maria Hill; it's Talos and his wife. No, I thought that was that was very clever. Um, and it's I Ben didn't... Mendelsohn. I love Ben Mendelsohn. Just hearing his voice. No, that was in great. This other movie was he fantastic. Was my favorite part of Captain Marvel. Um. That I didn't love that movie. I enjoyed. It. I, I, I like parts of it. I didn't love that movie, but he's part. Well, he's part of the movie that I did love, and uh, so that was very cool. It was confusing to me for a second. So then, where is Nick well, Fury? He's in space. The fact that they were listening to a message to you, Rudy, was the first thing that I was like, "This right. doesn't seem like Nick Fury music." No. What? Because my my theory going into this movie, because from the beginning. I had a problem before I even saw the movie. I had a problem with the idea that Mysterio was fooling Nick Fury because we didn't we didn't know. But again, going in, my assumption was Mysterio's gonna Mysterio. Yeah, and uh, 
I was just like, I'm going to have a problem with this movie if he's somehow getting over on Nick fucking Fury. Yeah. And, it, like, as soon as we hear that song, I'm like, well, what is this? And my thought going into the movie is maybe Chameleon is Nick Fury. Right. Maybe we're doing another double villain thing. Right. And we have Chameleon playing Nick Fury, and that that would totally allay all of my concerns. But this was a so much a better solution because it yes. plays into the greater MCU, and then we get the fucking bonkers idea of Nick Fury out in space with a shit ton of crawls, uh, scrolls, crawl. Oh my gosh, no, he's not with crawl. There are no cyclops. There are no cyclopses in this uh -oh. movie. This is going to spiral in our crawl movie. <laughs> no. So Nick Fury is in outer space yes. with a buttload of scrolls. What is how, going on, Chad? And how long has he been there? Right. Was he even at the funeral? What, what was he at the funeral? Where 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 was he? Is is he been on Earth this whole time? I don't know. <laughs> we know nothing anymore. And, and what does it have to do with anything? <laughs> That's the other thing too. Like, what is it like? Is what is that leading us into? Right. Is it is that significant, or when we come back in the next MCU movie, is that going to be kind of an aside where Nick Fury is just going to be like, yeah, I went on vacation with a bunch of scrolls in space, which I I don't think will be the case. No, it looked like they were maybe building a. It, it reminded me of kind of the scenes in Winter Soldier and Avengers with like you know him building his weapons, right, warships. Right. You know, I think in Winter, like, Winter Soldier was the big one, right? With we'd the, like to think that Fury has grown past that sort of thing. <laughs> but I don't know. Dude, that Fury was crazy. Fury doesn't grow. Well, yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, he does. He does. Because as we saw in Captain Marvel, he used to be a fairly, like, fun, shiny, happy guy. And then he got his eye scratched out by a cat. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, no, I, I, it, I was confounded by the end. <laughs> um. Uh, again, I do think it was a nice touch to show that, no, don't worry, Nick Fury wasn't fooled by the dude from Brokeback Mountain, but the the idea that he is on some spaceship or space station or planet hanging out with a bunch of Skrull, getting ready for a war well, or okay. something? So I didn't Maybe catch, that's a teacher for Cap 2? I or, didn't catch what he said. Yeah, I mean, Did he say, let's get back to work, or let's something. get back to war? I think he said back to work. I think he said back to work. It's like, is this a setup for Cap 2? Is it a setup for Guardians 3? Right. Is it a setup for the, was it, is the, is the Eternals? Is that what they're doing? Well, the thing is, we have no idea, because Marvel has announced <laughs> nothing. Nothing, yeah. For true. all we know, and look. I was thinking about this on the way home because random crazy thoughts go through my head after I see big comic book movies that I love. For all we know, there could be, and this is insane, but there could be another Marvel movie before the end of the year that they've already shot and we don't know about. <laughs> I don't think there will be, but yeah. I don't think there will be. I don't think there's room on the slate. But, so. like, we don't know what these guys do and they're so good at doing what they do now that with what with digital effects and what with the ability to create scope yeah. in a small environment, I mean, it's we, we have no idea. They could have a movie ready to go, and I'm not saying before the end of the year, but like the next movie could be done and we don't know it yet. Well, and I, I kind of like that sense because one thing, you know, up uh, through Phase 3, we knew when every single movie was coming out, right? And, and 
and they they go out of their way to lay out their slate. Well, you know, their future projects. Of, I think, and that was part of a problem for me with Infinity War. And At I the think end, that's it, part of where the fatigue comes from, too. Yes, is there's a certain momentum that takes away from your enjoyment of what what you're. It takes away from your enjoyment of the present because you know what the future is. Infinity War, the end of Infinity War, left me cold. Mostly because I knew there was more coming. Right, right. And, and I knew, I knew it was all going to get reversed. And I, you know, like I didn't know how exactly, but I, I, I knew that you know, and, and and you know, the Holland's performance at the end of that movie is devastating. And and it, and I did end up, I do end up liking Infinity War better after Endgame, which is what I was hoping. Right. Um. Because it because they did do I think some interesting things about you know, years passing between, and I thought that was kind of cool. Well, and that they didn't just undo everything. No, they didn't. No, there were still consequences from it, which I liked. But at the time watching it, I felt a little let down just because I'm like, yeah, but I, I mean, I know Black Panther 2 is coming someday. Right. <laughs> you know, there's just that, and I can't disengage that part of my brain. Unfortunately, I wish I could. But it's just, it, but part of that is they make us very aware of their plans. And so the right. fact that they've kind of been hush-hush about, about it, and I think you're right. I think at Comic-Con they're going to drop one of those PowerPoint slides. Oh, it's going to be a fucking 50-megaton no. bomb of nerd madness. They're like, because it's not over. No, There's it's no, not over. You know, everyone's like, Endgame, isn't that the last movie? I'm like, well, just just people are like, oh, are you excited for the end of Star Wars? And I'm like, it's not the end of no, Star Wars. No, there's no end of Star Wars. <laughs> this is the end silly. of... It's the end of the Skywalker saga. Right. We, as far as we know, but, like, it's not the end. I mean, they've already announced three more movies. It's, yeah. it's not, I mean, it's not, it's not the end of Star Wars. Um, and, and Endgame was not the end of, I mean, even in this, they're like, you know, you're, they, were, they were talking. Now, it wasn't, technically, we find out later, it wasn't Fury, but he was talking about the Avengers. Well, right? and that's the thing, is we don't know how much, nothing that the fury we spent time with in Far From Home is necessarily accurate or true. Will, he, because we find out he really doesn't know anything <laughs> at the end of the movie. No, he was just faking it the whole time. <laughs> will, in your opinion, will we ever, will we see in, in this current iteration, will we ever, will we have another movie with the word Avengers in the title? Uh, I think so, and I think it will be something along the lines of New Avengers. Yeah. Um, I... I yeah, I think so. Because, look, even going outside of storyline reasons, the the brand value of Avengers is yeah. just too much for them not to use it again. I am interested to see how they're going to do moving forward, because they did lose, you know, they have said goodbye to two of their heavyweight stars, and um, and while others have come to replace them, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what how the how the world the movie going community after endgame after kind of going through this 11 year journey it's um how they react to a world without downey in it it's too early because because i feel like and i think we've discussed this before i feel like going forward the intent is probably that chadwick boseman and brie larson yeah are our our new big heavy hitters as i love anthony mackie i really do yes yes um but he doesn't have the star power that robert Downey jr chris evans has. well but he's he isn't well the thing is though did chris evans well no even early chris evans even when he first took on the role of cap 
dude, Chris, not at that level. Dude, Chris Evans was good in Fantastic Four, and nobody yeah. was good in Fantastic Four. Yeah. <laughs> no one's ever been good in a Fantastic Four movie ever, except for Chris Evans. Um, yeah, Ma- Mackie. But the thing is, I think... I think... They and they're giving them a show. Make, I think they can make him... Well, that's the, that's the other thing, though, is with there being a... a a Falcon and Winter Soldier show. Like, what? What is our cinematic future? Do we just are those characters now sort of a TV realm? And I'm not trying to say they're going to separate things the way that they did with Agents of Shield and the MCU because that's not going to happen with Disney Plus because that's a whole, no. That's Disney a whole different, a different beast, thing. right? Yeah. Um, but moving forward, perhaps you know the Avengers we know what, with, with you know WandaVision and and those. Maybe those become sort of the televised thing or the streaming thing. And moving forward, we have Black Panther and Captain Marvel and Doctor Strange because I, th- I think we're pretty sure there's another Doctor Strange coming. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. It, it almost feels like for Disney Plus, they're doing more... They're thinking more in terms of miniseries, right? Yeah, like, which, which is you know, which is fine. I don't... Because let's be honest, all the Netflix Marvel shows... Uh, 13 episodes was too much for all of them. Yes, and seven epi- or eight episodes was not enough for the Defenders. <laughs> uh, it was too much in my opinion. Well, well yeah, no, no, it's, it depends <laughs> on how you feel about the Defenders. I, but, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I just, yeah, but no, I, I, it is interesting, though, they're thinking about these as miniseries, and, and that's how they're, I mean, that's the only way they're able to attract the talent. Well, right, and the thing is, you, you look at something like Game of Thrones that did uh, eight, ten ep- well, not eight, ten episode season, but but an average of ten episodes a season, yeah. right? And uh, was very cinematic. I mean, very well, easily changed TV. Yeah, it was ten. It was it was ten hour movies. I mean, that's yeah. basically what they were doing. So well, I, the I, the whole paradigm is different now. Well, it's it's this the the thing I always said watching Game of Thrones that once. The only thing movies really have going for them anymore, like as far as big screen experience, is a spectacle. Um, because the characters are honestly better on television because you have more time to spend with them. Yes. The writing's better on television because, again, the writers have more time to work on these characters and, and, and take them through all the different paces. Um, the only thing movies really have is spectacle, and Game of Thrones started to show that spectacles spectacles tv spectacles right on your heels yeah <laughs> you know and 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 when you can get things that are as satisfying as some of the battles on game of thrones when you can i mean i'm excited to see what they do for the star wars shows i'm excited to see what they what, what they're able to wrangle up i look at game of thrones and i go take that on a, i'll take that budget on a star wars show or i'll take for half that budget sure you know and and it'll be interesting to see but it's not the but diego luna is not hurting for work right so He's doing this because he wants to do it, but I guarantee you, it's not for forever. You know, right? Right. Um, uh, you know, same with Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen, and 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 you know, same with Mackie and, and Sebastian Stan. Well, th- this is another. This is another thing that we've discussed. I was going to call him Sebastian Saw, but Shaw, Sebastian that's a Shaw. No, that's, that's a, different, a different guy. Different guy. Diff- different guy with cybernetic parts. Yes, um, <laughs> it's true. We yeah. uh, we we've discussed this before as well. Is if we're moving from a phase of instead of getting two hour movies, we're getting six to eight hour miniseries. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Dude, I'd be okay if that's all Star Wars was from now on. Yeah. 
I have but, no yeah. problem with that. And look, Marvel's not leaving theaters. Like I said, I think maybe no. at, at most we're going to see a line where our classic characters are getting the miniseries and our new characters are getting movies. But but at this point, the the line is so blurred in production quality between the two that if, if they well, want to if they want to take the quality of character development and writing and casting that they've had in the MCU so far and move it to a smaller screen, fine. Well, yeah, it's an, and it's a new world, right? I mean, it's when they announced that they were going to do um, the Cassian Andor show. I was like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. And then when they announced Dave Luna was doing it, I was like, I'm sorry, what? Right. Like I thought, you know, because five, ten years ago, you just would have recast it. Yes. Right? And and it would have been, and we would have watched the hell out of it, right? Um, but now we have. That, you know? I mean, Donald Sutherland was not on MASH, the TV show. No. No, that <laughs> you know, never you, you, happened. You just dealt with, well, even when they did the Blade TV series, it wasn't Wesley Snipes. It was the guy from uh, Onyx or whatever. So they have to have this sticky, sticky fingers. Sticky fingers. So they have to have. I never watched the play television show. You know, <laughs> once they got past the pilot, it was actually pretty good. Um, I'll take your word for it. But, it's um, fine. That's all you should do, really. Yeah, but but no, you're right. I mean, this idea that that you know Tom Hiddleston's going to do a Loki series, fucking bonkers. And you're like, oh, well, one, they're backing up the truck for that, and two, <laughs> like like that's awesome. Like that's. People aren't. I mean, we know this now. I mean, you know, Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon have a television show on HBO. It's not right, right. You know, the, the, stigma, the stigma's gone. The stigma is absolutely gone. Well, the right? best work Amy Adams has ever done was on HBO. Yeah, no, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, that's and, yeah. and and that's the thing is the talent knows that. Oh, Tony Hopkins on Westworld, like oh, it's my not. Gosh, yeah, it, it, it's it's crazy. That 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 this is the world we're living in, and you know, if anyone's got the money to to make it happen, obviously it's Disney. Yeah. Um. You know, I would like to pitch to them. I know there were rumors, and it's not going to happen. But my, I have a. I need I need Ewan McGregor, Joel Edgerton, and a twelve year old who looks like Mark Hamill in eight episodes. And we're oh, good to yeah. go. And we're good to go. Yeah, um, the fantastic. twins, the tw- under the twin sons, or whatever you want to call it. Um. But uh, and then I'm still holding on hope for your Java Scarface story one day. But um, <laughs> I, would love, I would love love it. And my but, my my Java's Palace story as well. Yes, absolutely. Oh yeah. man, and then, I, and then that in is 35 so... years, someone will let me make my Ewok story. But I want it. Um, I want it. We got to wrap this thing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we've yeah. got to. We've got to. Uh, before it turns we, we into, we got to talk about. We got to talk about Toy Story now. Yeah. So. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. final thoughts on Far From Home. Uh, for me, I went in, you know, not not really too sure what I was going to think about it because Mysterio is a character that's very near and dear to me, and like I said, I've I've been wanting a great Mysterio movie for decades, and while I love the MCU, I have not so far. Uh, I, I think Tom Holland is great, but the way that they've used the character of Spider Man thus far, I just haven't liked. But in this one, they they totally won me over. And I, I just, I loved, man, I loved this movie. Uh, there there are, I can't even really think of anything I had an issue with at this point. Uh, I, I I loved it too. I, um, how do I put it? I, I, I really like, I really like Tom Holland. I really like uh, his version of, of Peter Parker. Um, I did like Homecoming more than you did. This one got up on me, honestly, weirdly. Um, I, 
just looked. I was I walked up the street. And my theater was playing it, and I was like, "Oh, oh shit, it's out today." I thought it was out. I didn't think it would come out till the fourth. Um, yeah, yeah. It had a so I kind of Tuesday release date. What is that all about? For the moment, just went and saw it. Um, I was like, "Well, I got nothing to do," and uh, it's Spider Man, and uh, I found myself really enjoying it. Um, like I said, I was a little worried after Into the Spider Verse. That movie still has my heart in a way that oh, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think any live action Spider Man movie ever will. Um, it's to me, it's the Mask of the Phantasm for for uh, for Spider Man. Yes, but yes. Um, but no, it's a really good movie. It's really fun. Um, it it does it fit into the Marvel formula? Sure. Does it feel like an MCU movie? Yes. Um, but. It felt fresh enough to me, and I think the kids, at the end of the day, the kids make it work. Um, I believe the kids, I believe the relationships, and as we all know, with Spider-Man, he can fight the coolest villains in the world, but, you know, the the people in his life have to work, and his relationships to the people, to his aunt, to his friends, uh, to MJ, those are the things that really have to work, and I feel like that's... They put enough concentration on that to really make it pay off, so that so that it is. I found it both satisfying as an action movie and satisfying as a teen movie, um, which is what I want a Spider-Man movie to be. And Samuel L. Jackson's impersonation of Ben Mendelsohn's impersonation of Nick Fury was just great. <laughs> and I'd like to reiterate, <laughs> J.K. Fucking Simmons. Oh my gosh, that happened. <laughs> And uh, I might have been the only one in my theater excited, but I was excited for all of us. No, we were all... Um, I don't know about the rest of the theater, but the three of us, uh, because my, my obviously my son has seen all of the other Spider-Man movies multiple yeah. times, and he was he popped big to see, because yeah. he like leaned over to me and he was like, wait a minute, that's <laughs> yeah. J. Jonah Jameson from the other movies. And I was like, it is, it's great. And he yeah. was like, that's really cool. And that does not mean he will show up in the others at all. That does, mean, that does not mean we will get J. Jonah Jameson in the third movie, because um, he's hopefully still going to be in high school in the third movie. But uh, even if it just ends up being an Easter egg, kind of like Howard the Duck was, I'll take it. It was I- awesome. I don't know. I feel like with what they established, he's almost the foil. He has to be the foil for the next movie. He could be. He could be. I, no, I, he, I feel like that's what they set up, but who knows? We'll yeah. we'll find it'll out. Be, in it'll be funny if he was always that. The that we never see him in person. He's just an internet talking head the whole time. Oh yeah, I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine because well, honestly, like they did they, in the video they, game. Did you play they, the PlayStation video game? I own it. I have not played it yet. Well. In that game, Jameson is um, sort of a Rush Limbaugh-type right. guy, and you never even see him in the game, but Spidey, uh, as he's swinging through the city, you have the option of tuning into like radio waves and stuff. Oh, okay, right. Like, and, like, like GTA. Yes, yes, exactly. And yeah. you'll every once in a while you'll hear Jameson's show come across Spidey's like radio monitor. Yeah, it makes sense. And he's just hate-mongering Spider-Man the whole time. I haven't wa- I haven't played the game yet because those oh, so games good. tend to uh, what is it destroy all productivity <laughs> that I have. Yeah, and that one will, man, because it, and, uh, it is very. Um, I'm still in the middle of Red Dead Two, so. Oh jeez. I did play Vader Immortal for my um, PlayStation or for my uh, Oculus, the VR experience that David oh, Goyer wrote. Okay. That David Goyer wrote. Yeah. 
It's interesting. It's it's only it's like a forty five minute thing. It's gonna be told in chapters, so this is just the first chapter. Goyer writing Star Wars is interesting and, and also weird. For for these little like forty five minute VR stories to have someone whatever you think of them to have someone who works at that level working on something like this to me is a, is a treat because we're sure. used to you know having you know uh, not having necessarily as big a names attached to the, these kind of smaller projects right and it's a very cool VR experience. Um, Maya Rudolph plays your droid. Oh, that's fantastic. We at the very beginning, you get sucked out of hyperspace by an interdictor cruiser, and I was yelling at her, <laughs> like, and it's you know she can't hear me, but I'm like standing in my living room just going, "That's a fucking interdictor! That's an immobilizer class star destroyer!" and yelling at her. And uh, the first time you come face to face with Vader, it's legitimately creepy, and um, and you get a lightsaber and lightsaber in VR is perfect because there's no weight to the lightsaber blade. Right, right. And so you have your, your controller in your hand, and it feels real nice. I spent at least five minutes just posing with a lightsaber, like above my head, like on the New Hope poster. Um, it's uh, it's good stuff. And that was only like an hour uh, type of thing. But, man, diving into Spider-Man, I, I'm going to. I just we got to get some work done first. Well, speaking of that. Yes. To sign this thing off, yep. where can we find you online? What are you up to now? Um, ChadJShonk.com. Um, and you can also find me at ChadJShonk on Instagram. I haven't touched my Twitter in a while because I value my mental health. Yeah, right. And, um, but, uh, but you can see me at the Atlanta Comic Con. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. On July 14th, uh, talking about quite possibly the most formative year of my entire life. The summer of the needless things presents the summer of the bat. Because uh, I heard you, I listened to you guys' 1989 episode, and I could have added like 12 more things to it, and it just made me realize how much happened. Oh, it's insane! And, that and year, we're we're doing a 1989 panel at Dragon Con as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, that is you know by I this is my personal requirement is anybody who is on the Dragon Con panel we can't use the same things we used for the podcast. That's fair. Yeah, but 1989 even, that's not a problem because even in retrospect, the other day was the 30th anniversary of Do the Right Thing. Yes, and while I was 13, I did not see Do the Right Thing. But as a film student, that movie is monumental to me. And uh, that was eighty nine, <laughs> um, and 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 so listening to to you guys' thing, um, I was uh, I was like, yep, that was eighty nine. Oh yeah, that was eighty nine. And you guys didn't even hit on Last Crusade. I well, it's and that's the thing is I've I've peppered it in through a few of the nineteen eighty nine things we've done throughout the year, and it just hasn't it hasn't made it through any of the other stuff yet. But I will say this. If you come to Dragon Con, I'll put you on the 1989 panel. All right, well, we'll see what we can do about that. Um, <laughs> we'll see what we can do about that because I, I want to because uh, I because uh, the other movie. Do you know what movie came out between Batman and Indiana Jones that summer? And it happened to come out basically around my birthday, and I'd already seen Indiana Jones, and Batman wasn't out yet. I'm I'm sure I've looked at it on the list because I've looked at the 1989 list a dozen it, times now. What, Tom which... Le- Tom Lennon des- described it on how this get made as a two hour slow motion lynching of Tiny Lister. No holds barred. Oh yeah, yeah. We actually we did a commentary on No Holds Barred. Yeah. And it's and it's a rotten, rotten piece of trash. It's one of those movies. It's probably it's one of the films that 
made me realize, oh, movies can be real bad. Uh, embarrassingly bad, to the point that for years, WWF tried to bury it until they ended up buying the rights to it in its entirety. Uh, th- this, there's a weird, interesting story to that. Yeah, we're you're right. It is the rotten and like, mean Oh, story. it's terrible, terrible. Yeah. All right, we've got to wrap happy, it up. Happy birthday to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Chad, thank you so much for doing this last minute. Uh, I just I had to talk about Far From Home, and once we started chatting about it online, I was like, you know what? Let's let's get on the Skype and do this. The movie's awesome, so we, you know it's, it, it's worth talking about. And, and if you well, if you're listening to this, you should have already seen it. I hope so. Um, but if you haven't, and you've gotten through this. Go see it anyway. It it, it deserves your money. It's yeah, it's, it's it'll still be a rewarding experience. Yeah. Chad, I appreciate right, it, man. You. All right, see you in a couple weeks. We'll see you. Bye. Please go to Facebook, join the Needless Things podcast Facebook group. Uh, Right now, you can vote on which movie we are going to watch this coming Monday night, as a matter of fact, uh, for the July Needless commentary. So jump on that, because it's only going to be up for a couple more days. Right now, UHS, UHS, UHF is in the lead with uh, Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, which I really, really don't want to watch, in second place. It's kind of a distant second, but uh, really we need some more UHF votes. Or Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2. There are all kinds of other options. I, I Obviously, UHF is a beloved movie, and there's a good chance we would have watched it anyway sometime between now and the end of the year. But I didn't expect it to be the runaway favorite like it has been. And it's going to be a great commentary. Like I said, we even if it didn't win, we'd probably end up doing it anyway. Uh, I can't believe the movie's 30 years old. I can't believe everything from 1989, including Batman, is 30 years old. And once again, I will tell you, uh, please share, like, RSVP, tell your friends about Needless Things Presents The Summer of the Bat live at Atlanta Comic-Con on July 14th. I think I forgot to mention the time, uh, but I did put over the event, so you should be able to figure it out. It's 1 p.m. July 14th at the Georgia World Congress Center at Atlanta Comic-Con. It's going to be great. I'm very excited, and please come out, watch it. Uh, If you're there live, you'll get some free... Well, you'll have the opportunity to get some free stuff uh, brought back from the past, from the year 1989. Uh, but if you cannot make it out, it will, of course, be a future Needless Things podcast episode. You know why? Because I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.